When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. This report brought to you by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Hour two of 6.30 Chad Inside Sports on a hot, hot Wednesday. It'll be a hot week. Only going to get hotter in Dallas, that's for sure. NHL entry draft on Friday. Our coverage begins at 4. And uh, we will roll along until the Oilers make their 10th overall pick. Ah, 6.30-ish, 6.45, somewhere in that range. It's maybe in the middle, probably not later. Uh, and then we'll uh, head to Commonwealth Stadium on the brickfield of Commonwealth Stadium as the Eskimos have their home opener against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So, we'll, and if the Oilers go off script, then we will, we will make our adjustments. It's going to be like a football game, you know? We will... Adjust on the fly. There you go. NHL awards tonight. Uh, here's what's happening. Uh, just awarded the Frank J. Selke Award for the best defensive forward in the NHL is Andre Kopitar. Brian Boyle won the Matheson Trophy for perseverance and dedication to hockey. He was diagnosed with chronic uh, myeloid leukemia during training camp and made it back into the Devils lineup in November. Vegas Golden Knights forward William Carlson won the Lady Bing Trophy as the player best combining sportsmanship and ability. Matthew Barzell won the Calder Trophy for the league's top rookie. Um, we know that Connor McDavid, well, we'll talk about him in a moment. Uh, William Jennings Trophy for the lowest goals against average went to the LA Kings' Jonathan Quick. Alex Ovechkin, of course, wins his seventh Rocker Richard Trophy, 49 goals on the season. Victor Hedman won the Norris Trophy as the NHL's top defenseman. And uh, Connor McDavid won the Art Ross Trophy, of course, for the most points in the National Hockey League. And he wins the Ted Lindsay Award as the uh, top player, or the best player in the NHL, voted on by his peers. We uh, bring in Reed Wilkins now from Dallas. Uh, Reed, old boy, how hot is it down there, buddy? Well, it wasn't outside for very long, but it's it's pretty hot. Uh, hotter than <laughs> hotter than I'm used to, that's for sure. Uh, well, it, my phone is telling me it's 31. Okay. So, what did Edmonton get to today, 29 or 30? Uh, pretty close, pretty close. But we probably don't have the humidity like you have down there. The forecast high for Friday is 38 ah. in Dallas, so that'll be a little different for me. Ah. The, old, the old prairie boy checking it out in Dallas. I, I wasn't outside for very long. I, I got picked up uh, waiting for a cab at the airport. It, it felt pretty stifling heat-wise, uh, and then made it to the airport, and I've just been in my hotel room ever since. So not, not very, I'm not very exciting. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be a big, big few days here. In uh, in Dallas, I know Bob kind of alluded to it. Uh, we expect Peter Shirelli to uh, hold an availability tomorrow, so we'll see what he says uh, out of that going into the draft here. I also saw Connor McDavid finish tenth in 
Lady Bing voting. Yeah, I saw that as well during and the, uh, I the news break. Chris Russell was something like 41st. Yes. The, the Lady Bing tends to have the most people who get at least a single vote. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, for the Vesna, sometimes there's only five or six goalies that get a vote. Uh, for the Hart, uh, you might get maybe a list of eight to a dozen guys yeah. once you go down to the fifth place votes. Yeah, but they got. Well, over 50 guys, because there was a tie for 49th who got at least one vote for the Lady Bink out of, out of the five. So McDavid was 10th. Chris Russell was 40th. He got a third-place vote and a, uh, a fifth-place vote. Interesting. So there's the only other order that I've seen to, to get any individual dots. Look, I know there's um, – I see a lot of chatter there about McDavid uh, – winning the Lester B. Pearson, and he wasn't even nominated for the heart. It's a different set of voters, and really the criteria are different. The players vote for the Pearson, which is the the player deemed to be the most outstanding in the league, and the uh, Professional Hockey Writers Association votes for the heart, which is the player deemed to be most valuable to his team, which is similar but not exactly the yeah. same. And you know, to me, it, it's to me, it's just all part of the fun debate. I, I still think making the playoffs should be a criteria for the heart, and obviously, I don't vote. Um, so I think the fact that the Oilers, you know, pretty much fell flat this season did hurt McDavid's chances. I know Oilers fans don't like to hear it, yeah. but if McDavid, if McDavid had, you know, single-handedly pulled the Oilers into the postseason. Uh, I don't think they would want a guy on a 22nd place team getting votes, you know. So I yeah. think you got to remember to look at it a little fairly there. But I, I think Taylor Hall is going to win the heart. And I, Same I here. Bob, we're talking about Barzell, and that's going to be another sting for Oilers fans, <laughs> yeah. uh, given the trade that happened. But uh, Hall had a great season, and he had the best season of his career. He, he never played as, as great as he was in Edmonton. He never had that type of a season here. So he, had, you know, he had a couple of really, really good ones where he was over a point a game and in the top ten in scoring. So, you know, he had some great seasons, but he, but he never, you know, completely was as committed with the Oilers as he was in New Jersey this year. So it paid off for him. Good for him. I, I think he's going to win. And, uh, uh, you know, I think McKinnon's going to come in second, obviously. Pretty good race there. Yeah, no question. You know, the one thing I'll say, and I mentioned it last hour, is, uh, and I'm with you, I think the Hart Trophy should be awarded to a player that gets his team to the playoffs, and, and McDavid didn't do that. Now, you could make an argument that the three nominees, Taylor Hall, uh, Nathan McKinnon, Andre Kopitar, their teams kind of limped into the playoffs, so maybe that elevates Connor McDavid, but at the same time, you, you can't discount what those three did. And there's always going to be a debate about, okay, the best player versus most valuable. Well, it's pretty obvious that if the Oilers don't have Connor McDavid in their lineup, they don't win a lot of hockey games. But, um, I mean, the point of the regular season is to make the playoffs, in my opinion. So um, the Oilers didn't. And, but Connor McDavid, it was, it was uh, uh, I think, validated. And we all knew this, Reed. He is the best player in the National Hockey League. And as such, he won the Ted Lindsay tonight. So, um, well, I, Connor McDavid is the most prolific scorer in the National Hockey League. And he's on a very short list for the best all-around player. Because then you bring in defensemen, goaltending, you know, who had the best year, who, who did the most for their team, all that kind of stuff. But, but that's why for outstanding he is the most outstanding. He was the, he was the leading scorer. He was the most uh, dangerous to defend, I think, 
by a wide mar- uh, margin, especially to even strength. I mean, imagine if he got some power play points. So uh, he'll be in the running for a lot of awards as, as we go along. I'm not, too, I'm not too concerned about that. But the, the draft is coming up here. This is going to be an interesting one. I was listening to, to your hit with Bob. And, yeah, the top two is set in stone. Deline's going to go. Sveshnikov's going to go number two. It's really interesting with this Kotkaniemi kid that he could jump all the way up to number three to the Montreal Canadiens, or maybe the Canadiens trade down two or three spots thinking that he's still going to be there. I, I think that there are some really appealing defensemen here, but obviously Deline's going to go number one. I don't think Quinn Hughes will be there at 10. I don't think Evan Bouchard will be there at 10. I don't think Noah Dobson will be there at 10. That leaves, as Bob alluded to, I, I would agree. I think there's a I think there's a good chance Adam Boquist is available at 10 for the Oilers, and I think it's pretty much certain that Ty Smith is going to be available at number 10 of the Oilers. And, and, and the concern about Boquist is those couple of concussions, um, you know, that he suffered. Is, is he – and, I mean, he's a defenseman. He can skate. He's good with the puck. Is he actually good enough in his own end? Is, is he – as far along as some other guys. So that could be a drawback for him. Now, Ty Smith might be, even though he's a little smaller, and that's always going to hurt guys, unfortunately, is he, as, as Ty Smith is probably more well-rounded than some of the other guys who are going to go, defensemen who are going to go, you know, in the top 12 or top 15. He's probably a middle-pairing defenseman once he gets into his NHL career, but I don't think there are any massive weaknesses uh, in his game. And uh, like I said, he might be a little farther along defensively than some other guys. And Barrett Hayton is a name that a lot of people have been talking about. Played for Sault Ste. Marie. They had that incredible season in the OHL. They went 55-7-6, and uh, didn't <laughs> win the championship, lost the final to Hamilton. No, he's a center. And at, at, at some point, the Oilers are going to need some young, inexpensive centers <laughs> to, 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 to complement the three that they have. I still kind of count Nugent Hopkins as a center, even though he finished the year on the wing. But Barrett Hayden, you know, he's a, a two-way guy, pretty competitive, works hard. He can play the, the, that old quote-unquote 200-foot game. So even though he's not a defenseman in a, in a kind of defense-heavy top of the first round, he might be uh, appealing to the Oilers as a centerman. I, I, I think it's going to likely come down to one of those three guys on Friday. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Oilers, are they in the position of, uh, of, of best player available sitting at 10th overall? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think they're probably always going to say that, but I, I, this is a team that, the organization is still starving for defensemen to come along. I mean, I was talking about this last night on, on the show. I, I think the the top six defensemen that you would have penciled in for the start of this season is actually a pretty good defense core. I, oh, I don't think it's a great defense core. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's a championship-caliber defense core, but I think it's a good defense core that can do better than last year. Mm-hmm with some different coaching influences, with hopefully more of a mandate to get the puck up ice quicker. You know, don't don't fool around with the D-to-D passes that hurt their breakout so often last year. Um, but who's really pushing up from the minors immediately? I mean, I know Ethan Bear came up at the end. I think Caleb Jones has a lot of promise. There's a couple other guys on Bakersfield. I don't know if there's anybody else that's that's an immediate call-up. So I, I still think they need to build some organizational depth on defense because because of the whole story. We know how how poorly they've they've drafted for the last well 20 years really. Yeah. So 
yeah, I mean, I'm sure if they like, if there's defensemen available and they really like Barrett Hayton, uh, they'll take him. You know, if they think he's more of a sure bet than the other two guys. But, you know, again, they've been so starved for productive defensemen. And I know some people are thinking, well, why'd they trade Brandon Davidson again? And, hey, you know what? Fair comment. You know, he'd be, he'd be a good 6-7 for sure, but I guess they'll look for other options there. But they've just been so starved for defense. And, I mean, look how many defensemen they've had over the years who, once they left the Oilers, um, they didn't play in the NHL or, or hardly ever played in the NHL once they were done with the Oilers. So yeah. I, I think there's some appealing here to some guys that can potentially, you know, move the puck and get it up ice because that's, you know, I know people talk about, well, what's the trends in the game? Well, getting the puck out of your own end isn't a trend that's going to go away. Right? No. So guys that can either <laughs> skate it out or pass it out or, or do both are always going to have value. That's why, for me personally, I, I'd lean a little bit more towards towards a defenseman. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if a guy like Ty Smith is available. And uh, Gerard Gallant, uh, the uh, next recipient of an award, of course, that's the Jack Adams Award for the best head coach of the National Hockey League, and we know what he did with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, a uh, incredible run that ended up with a Stanley Cup final appearance. Unfortunately, they lost uh, for them. Uh, they lost in five games to the. Washington Capitals and uh, Reed. I, I bring Vegas in. It's it's kind of appropriate that Gallant has won because uh, I want to talk about the defense on the Oilers and look at Vegas's defense. They did it by committee. They didn't have a you know a, a bona fide puck mover. Um, they def- definitely didn't have a number one. And really, I mean, number one defensemen aren't aren't readily available. There's not many of them in the National Hockey League. But the Oilers, when I go back to that playoff year. Um, over a year ago, they did it by committee as well. And when I look at this year, they did not have a healthy defense core at all this season. So is it possible that they could just find, hopefully, a healthy six to seven defensemen and do it by committee? And, and the caveat is they have to play and they have to be healthy. But it seems like that is another option where they just, and I know they want to look for an off- offensive defenseman or a puck-moving defenseman, but is it possible they could just go by committee? Well, yes, it's possible, but I think the big question, question mark is Oscar Kleffbaum's health. How is he going to play coming off the shoulder surgery? And I, and I know he's going to be ready for training camp, but that doesn't always mean you're 100% and are able to do everything that, that you're expected to do or have done in the past right off the hop. Look, I think Sector is going to bounce back. Um, you know, I think Nurse can continue to develop. I, 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 I think he wasn't able to handle some of the extra power play responsibility he got at times. You know, he had that road trip where he got four goals in five games. He got some power play time, and he wasn't all, all quite ready to handle that. Maybe that'll come around for him. Uh, I think Benning can come back. He's an intelligent player. Larson finished the year really strong after having a tough three quarters of the season. Obviously, the, the, uh, his father passing away factored into that, but I don't know what to expect from Oscar Clefbaum, and I think there needs to be some growth in his game, too. Uh, I think he's got a lot of raw ability, and he's often gotten by on that when, when he was younger and came into the NHL. Uh, if that raw ability isn't there, if he loses some of that power in his shot or, or his ability to, to do things with the puck because he's getting over the surgery, can he find a way to think and be crafty out there, kind of the type of player Andre Secker is? So yeah, they can they can do it they can do it by committee. Now again, like I said, I don't think it's a championship caliber defense. Maybe if some other things really go right, 
they, they do become a pretty dangerous team. I, I, I think their defense is good enough to get them into the playoffs, uh, you know, if they get the goaltending and the, and the special teams in support. Um, but I, I, I still don't know who is – there's still no super reliable power play quarterback to make them an elite power play. And there's still nobody that you could say, well, I mean, maybe Larson you lean on for a lot of tough minutes defensively, but nobody who can reliably do it both ways. Those are still the question marks for me. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Reed, this is the calm before the storm. It's always a busy day, the eve of the draft, always a busy day on on draft day. But uh, we'll have uh, plenty more to talk about tomorrow. We're going to spend a lot of time uh, with you on this very show. And uh, we look forward to it, man. So enjoy the uh, air conditioning and uh, go out and grab a bite to eat or whatever you're going to do and uh, just you know handle that heat as best you can, buddy. All right. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Okay. Talk to you tomorrow, buddy. All right. Reed Wilkins, the host of this show, host of Oilers Hockey on 630 Ched Down in Dallas for the NHL Entry Draft, which will begin uh, at 4 o'clock with our coverage. Uh, the draft itself will begin at 5. The Oilers pick 10th overall, expected to uh, draft somewhere around 6.30-ish, 6.45-ish. Then following the selection, we'll uh, head to the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Morley Scott, yours truly, Blake Dermott, and Brendan Ulrich giving you live coverage of the Oiler, or the Eskimos' home opener against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. 8 o'clock is the start. 7.22, back with more Inside Sports in a moment. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Campbell and Sir Wilkins on the show. The World Cup today, Diego Costa had the third goal of the tournament. Leads Spain past Iran 1-0. The 2018 tournament in Russia is the first World Cup since 54 without a single nil-nil draw in the first 20 matches. Well, that's good. Earlier today, uh, Portugal beat Morocco 1-0 and Uruguay edged Saudi Arabia by the very same score. And you've heard about the Inside Sports World Cup All-Star team that Reed has started. Uh, yes. Earlier this week and that stuff. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> Brilliant. So, I don't have the list in front of me, but I believe uh, such luminaries involve uh, Garrett uh, Southgate as the coach from uh, England. Nacho. From Mexico. Nacho. Dave, you're a fan of Nacho. I am a fan of Nacho. Uh, Everybody loves Nacho. I love Nacho. <laughs> big time. Big time. So. And Zuba from Russia. Zuba. 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 Love Not it. Zubaz, but Zuba. <laughs> I'm sure the all-star team will grow throughout the World Cup. We're only a week in. we got like three weeks left. Absolutely. So a lot of uh, names to be added. For sure. So, the uh, Marc Messier Leadership Award has been awarded to Derek England of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. He was their captain. He's from Vegas. So, a bit of the sentimental pick, probably. <laughs> so, good night for Vegas. Gerard Gallant wins. Carlson? The, yeah. Uh, wins Coach of the Year. Air Carlson wins the Lady Bing Trophy. So, uh, good night. Mm-hmm. I think that's it for Vegas. I don't think there's any more trophies for Vegas to win. Uh, McPhee, GM of the year. I oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay, never mind. Uh, we got the big one still to come. That's the mm-hmm. hard trophy for the most valuable player. Uh, we'll switch gears. We'll talk about football and a uh, very fun documentary that's going to be coming up on Global News on the Eskimos home opener. Kevin Carius joins us in a moment. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
733, final half hour of the Wednesday evening edition of 630 Chat Inside Sports. I'll be here tomorrow as well. We'll have a lot more from Reed Wilkins down in Dallas for the NHL entry draft, which will uh, take place on Friday. 630 Chad NHL draft coverage is powered by Fast Track Indoor Karting. It's adrenaline pumping. It's safe. It's fun. Fast Track Indoor Karting, edmonton.ca. Connor McDavid has won the Ted Lindsay Award for the uh, awarded to the best player, most outstanding player in the NHL, voted on by his peers, also awarded with the Art Ross Trophy officially tonight. We knew he was going to win this, uh, most points in the National Hockey League. Uh, the uh, schedule, not the schedule, but the home openers have been announced for the National Hockey League. Uh, all the 31 teams for the Oilers, it'll be October 18th at home to the Boston Bruins. That's because they're going to head to Europe for a preseason game in Germany on October the 3rd, and then they'll open the regular season in uh, Gothenburg, Sweden, on October 6th against the New Jersey Devils. Speaking of home opener, the Edmonton Eskimos will have their home opener on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium on Friday night. 8 o'clock is the uh, kickoff. You can hear it right here on 6.30. Chad, uh, countdown to kickoff will begin uh, around 6.30, 6.45-ish, depending when the Oilers make their 10th overall pick. And uh, the home opener is always a very exciting time. And in fact, Global News is going to document this home opener uh, from uh, the fan experience side of things. And to talk about more about this, uh, Kevin Carius, Global Sports, joins us. Kevin, how you doing? Good, super Dave. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Nice to have you. Good to see you down at the uh, the old park uh, this afternoon. I know uh, you're doing a lot of promotional stuff uh, for Global, and uh, the Eskimo players are usually very accommodating when uh, when you do stuff like that. There's a lot of good personalities on the team. Yeah, they had some fun with it again. I mean, JC shared, handed up a little bit here and there, and uh, you know, they 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 know they have fun with it. That's that's the main thing, and I mean. Uh, that's what uh, part of the business is. You got to promote the product, and uh, they were there to do that today with uh, with Global. No doubt. And uh, we talked about this last week during the uh, rain or lightning delay of the season opener in Winnipeg, where the Eskimos beat the Blue Bombers thirty three to thirty in the longest continuous game in uh, CFL history. Uh, we talked about the Global News All In documentary, um, and uh, you know I kind of explained a little bit about it, but for people that you know don't haven't heard about this. Uh, what's it all about? Well, it's a fan experience, crowd experience source documentary. Basically, what we're asking Eskimo fans to be a part of this documentary. Uh, document your day. Record it on your phone. Always hold it horizontally because that's the best way to get the video captured. Send it to the two hashtags, GNLN or uh, One Empire. And basically, we're looking at how you document your day, how you experience the fan day experience of the Eskimos home opener. If you're on the LRT, you know, shoot a little bit of that. Eskimo fans on a bus leaving, uh, you know, several bars in town. Many, many bars have bus loads of fans. If you're just driving to the game, if you're painting your face, once you get to the game, you're cheering on the Eskimos, et cetera, et cetera. We just want all that documented. Send it to those two hashtags. Once all that video comes in, we're going to go through it all and hopefully put together a half-an-hour documentary, Dave, which airs July 7th, about two weeks later, and that'll be the day the Eskimos are in Toronto to play the Argonauts, and that'll air noon 
on global television. This is really cool. Um, when you first told me about it uh, weeks ago, I was really excited about this project. I know Morley Scott and I are going to play a part in this as well. Uh, so we're really looking forward to, uh, to, to, to our contribution. Uh, you know, the, the fan day experience for a football game, and, you know, we, it, and, and it's not to discredit the other sports. You know, hockey here, uh, we, we know that the Oiler fans are great. Uh, Oiler fans in the playoffs, it's always an event. But football has its own uniqueness about just the fan day experience because you don't have a lot of home games. I mean, in the CFL, you get nine home games. You get a preseason game. If you're lucky, you get a playoff game. But uh, the fan day experience in a football game is so much different than other sports. The one word you use there, Dave, is key, and that's event. Because it's uh, a situation where it only happens a few times during the season, Football fans make an event out of it. They tailgate. They do other things. Uh, they have watch parties. And, I mean, we're going to have a, a couple of, of, of interesting um, uh, parts of this documentary. The two things that I had, I just lined up today, and I had a really good time about lining them up and great conversations with both of them. I talked to Pat Riley, Mike Riley's dad. Now, now Pat Riley and Rhonda, Mike, Mike's mom and dad, drive from Kalispell, Montana, to pretty well every home game. They're going to document their trip. So to me, that's a pretty neat thing when someone's driving nine hours or so to come to the game. Mm -hmm. I, got, I got Kenny Stafford's brother, Nathaniel, who I wasn't aware that he was coming to the game, but he's going to be leaving from San Francisco. Now, he'll be getting into Edmonton around 4 or 5 p.m., basically right to Commonwealth Stadium after dropping off a, a few things. He's so gung-ho about documenting his trip and then the game itself and everything like that. But as you said, Dave, it's an event. Uh, watch parties around town, around... We've got watch parties in the States. I also talked to Kevin Glenn today. His family is going to be documenting this in at a watch party in Michigan. Wow. So, I mean, that's another fan experience. Now, it's going to be tough for, for Kevin Glenn's family. He said his nieces and nephews and, and everyone else will be watching the game. Now it's going to be a 10 o'clock start time out there. So it's going to be tough for them. But, I mean, I'm looking forward to the video that they send in just because they want to be a part of the Eskimos fan game day experience. Well, this is going to be a lot of fun. and I can't wait to see and to hear about, well, I'm going to hear about it probably more than see, uh, but, but what comes in. Um, after after Friday, and mm -hmm. it's it's gonna be you got you're gonna have a lot of stuff to go through, and I think it's gonna be pretty exciting. Um, all the options you have to choose from, and um, yeah. you know, like, and even now, like, we kind of see it already through through social media, through you know, especially Twitter and Facebook. Uh, it, it's a unique experience, and and we're able to do it now because you know we have the means to do it. So I, I think it's gonna be really exciting to see what what this looks like. Well, when you see at an Eskimos game, you know, as I told you on uh, last last week, last Thursday, I sit in the stands for the games because I enjoy that a lot better than sitting in the press box. So I sit in the stands, and everyone in the stands is filming. They're taking pictures. They're taking selfies. If you look at, you know, the Eskimos jumbotron, you know, certain points of the game, they'll have pictures and selfies, you know, hashtagging them, themselves to get on the jumbotron. Well, this is kind of a small... That's a small part of what we're going to be doing. So we need the Eskimos fans, whether, you know, we want them at the game, but if they're watching the game, they're listening to the game on 630 Chad or whatever, wherever they are, we need them to send this uh, video in. And, you know, you just got to use the two hashtags. 
uh, GN All In or One Empire, and we'll get the video on whatever social media platform you send it out. We'll get it. It'll come to a major bin that we've set up, and then we'll go through it all. That's going to be the hard part, deciding what makes the cut, what doesn't, uh, because we hope that we have too much video to go through <laughs> rather than not enough. I think you'll have too much. That's for sure. Well, that, that's my prediction. I think this is going to sure be. We sure hope so. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Kevin, I'm excited about this. Uh, looking forward to uh, uh, you know Friday in the home opener. And uh, like I said, Morley and I are very proud to be uh, part of this as well. So, uh, Well, we'll need you to kind of carry the mail to set the stage and everything like that, paint the pictures, you guys like to call it. So we're looking forward to working with you guys and then all the Eskimos fans once they send all the, the great video in and looking forward to kind of putting it all together. We've got uh, two short weeks to do it, so uh, we'll be pretty busy to get it all set and ready to roll for July 7th. Well, consider it. It will be done. So <laughs> count on us, buddy. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> all right. Take care, Kevin. That's Kevin Thanks. Carius uh, from Global Sports. Yes, the All In, Global News All In documentary will air at noon on July the 7th, and ironically, the uh, Eskimos will be in Toronto, not at home, but in Toronto that day uh, to play the uh, Argonauts. So that'll be cool. So again, uh, record your game day experience on your phone, share all your video, uh, hashtag One Empire, hashtag GN All In, and yes, horizontal. Very important, you record horizontally. So, another award has been handed out. Uh, Kellen Pecorine. Mm. Good thing this doesn't include the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's a reason why it's regular season awards, Davey, I believe. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, tied for third in the NHL in wins with 42. Uh, two back of both Hellebuck and Vasilevsky. Also had eight shutouts to tie Vasilevsky for first, ranked fifth in goals against average, seventh in safe percentage. So, interesting little pick. Uh, he did make some clutch saves in the regular season. There's no doubt about it. Playoffs, yeah, not so much. Seems oh, to be we seem to forget that Nashville did end up winning a President's Trophy this year. That yeah. kind of does, I guess, weigh for something in the regular season. I mean, it's not the, the, the award that you want to get, but the award... Uh, Vegas is just cleaning up right now at the awards because George McPhee, general manager of the year, that's a, a lock now. That's happened. So Wow. There you go. Mm. So what, that's four awards tonight for uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Not bad for your first year. Also, Veskin's still parading the Stanley Cup, though, probably around Vegas. So. <laughs> I won the big trophy. There you go. Uh, it's 7.44. We'll come back. We'll talk some Eskimos here to wrap up uh, Inside Sports for this Wednesday evening. For breaking news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Eskimos head coach Jason Moss on the significance of a home opener. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I think at the beginning of the year, you're excited to play football regardless of where it is. But anytime you're opening your stadium for that first part of the year uh, I think it is special it's 2018 opening regular season for us um, I think guys are excited about playing at home I think like always um, but no question the first game's different so you know go out here and, and give it our ball and but I assume the excitement the energy will be at a high yeah no question about it the 50 50 will start at seventy thousand dollars wow that's to commemorate the 70th year of the Edmonton Eskimos as a franchise. C.J. Gable, acquired by the Eskimos October 2nd of last season for two Nicholas players, and uh, he was great for the Eskimos. 
I mean, he averaged uh, close to 100 yards per game, was very good in the playoffs. In total, had six touchdowns if you combine a regular season and playoffs. So we'll just, uh, it was three and three. Um, but uh, does he have a little chip on his shoulder? Is he a little, is he still a little ornery about the trade? This game is whatever, but it's 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 gonna be a fun game, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing against my own teammates and uh, you know, it's just it's, it's gonna be fun. That's it, you know. It's gonna be fun. Has there been have there been some text exchange between former teammates and yourself? No, no one hasn't said anything to me, and that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, that's good. But because uh, I don't want to, don't want to get me going. But uh, <laughs> nah, it's it's gonna be a good game, and uh, you know, I'm just. It's gonna be fun going against mm-hmm. them, and you know, for I still you know I have anger because they uh, released or, or traded me, but you know, things happen for a reason, and uh, it's, I just can't wait to play. Is that day coming back? That the day you got traded, is that kind of come to the forefront a little bit this week, or a bit of a remembrance of, of that time? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is this because how it happened? Like in the, is how it ha- all happened? You know, and. Uh, I don't know why. That's the still thing is, but uh, you know, it's things happen. I guess they want to go a different route. As you can see, they have a different type of back in their backfield. So I guess that's what they were trying to do. I remember talking to you the first day you practiced with with the Eskimos, and you said it, it's tough to leave a community that you've known for five seasons and and five years. When did it start to feel like, hey, this organization is is fantastic, and I'm, and you're enjoying things here? Uh, yeah, like you said, it was hard. And even you know, been there five years, and that town over there, everybody they love their football there, and you know, I just got used to everybody. But then you know, but when I got here, they you know everybody open open arms with me. You know, they happy I'm got here, and they they love me here now. So you know, I just gotta just gotta make sure I just keep being productive here and just keep winning games. Yeah, and he's won uh, his fair share of games for the Edmonton Eskimos, and C.J. Gable has been a very solid addition to this team and a little bit of a slow burn, you can tell in that interview, playing against his former team. You know, what's impressive is that the Eskimos have have uh, gone to C.J. Gable and they make a, made a commitment to him. I mean, you go back to last week in Winnipeg, he only had 43 yards of offense, but he had 14 touches. He had nine carries and five catches. And uh, head coach Jason Moss says they're committed to him. Yeah, I mean, we told T.J. all along. I mean, you're going to get involved in, in our offense one way or the other, whether it's running the ball, catching the ball, blocking, what have you. But um, no question, C.J. is a huge part, integral part of what we do. Um, so we're always going to look to get um, C.J. heavily involved in our offense. Um, it's not always going to be 50-50. It's most likely not going to be 50-50 run to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is going to be involved in the pass game. He's going to be involved in the run game. So, um, you know, he's an integral part to what we do. Um, you know, and I'll leave it at that. Has the starting quarterback in Mike Riley noticed that? Uh, has noticed? Has he noticed that if Gable's walking around with a little chip on his shoulder? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I haven't seen it during the week. You know, in the sense of I know he's focused and ready to go, but he's the type of guy that kind of keeps quiet during the week and mm-hmm. and on game days when he, you know, you'll you'll feel it a lot more on Friday, and I'll see it as well. But I know that he's primed and ready to go. You know, anytime you play against your old team. You get a little bit fired up for that. I still feel that way when I play against BC, and it's been six years now. 
So some uh, roster, or not roster notes, but some practice notes. Uh, Sean White has been uh, uh, kind of taking some downtime this week. Uh, said to the uh, said to the coaching staff that you know he's not feeling all that great after that long long delay delayed game last week, the longest continuous game in CFL history. Uh, basically, he had to kick for close to you know six to eight hours so on the sidelines so and then in the game and they came out and hammered the winning points so uh he had a couple days off to just rest his leg and rest the body so he was back today kicking so he looks fresh um there's really no changes uh so we already know there's four players on the six game injury list offensive lineman tommy Draheim, linebacker adam konar uh receiver and returner jamil smith and uh, defensive tackle Mike Moore. Uh, Darius Allen also didn't uh, practice all week uh, on the defensive line. And uh, Vidal Hazelton as well hasn't practiced all week. He's dealing with, uh, looks like a left foot injury. So there will be changes. Again, the injury situation, not great for the Eskimos to start the season. Um, but they'll, they'll definitely have a lineup ready to go for the game on Friday. I expect to see Travis Bond. Uh, the offensive lineman that was signed this week uh, to be a factor on that offensive line somewhere, um, likely at guard. What they do at tackle is interesting. Yes, there's a possibility Matt O'Donnell does play at tackle. And uh, Rakeem Cox, the new defensive lineman that that was brought in uh, from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last season, played pretty well for them. I expect him to play tomorrow as well, be part of that D-line rotation. Uh, Inside Sports brought to you by Northern Chicken. Check out their new spring chicken. Menu with spring inspired fixins. Start salivating at northernchicken.com. Uh, Jay Happ earned his fifth straight win with a season high eight in a, in a uh, third innings pitch. Kendris Morales hit a two run home run as the Jays beat the Atlanta Braves by a score of five to four. Jays have now won seven of their last eight games at home. And it's the first time that a pitcher, a Toronto Blue Jays starter, has uh, made it to the ninth inning. And Jay Happ has been, uh, of course, with the Jay situation. I mean, they're not very good, uh, so that means a lot of trade rumors. Jay Happ is definitely in the mix there, and he says he's committed to the team despite the rumors. I signed it to play here and try to help this team get to the playoffs, and that's that's still my goal. That's what I want to do. So until somebody tells me different, um, I'm going to have fun doing that. Portugal's top player led the way again at the World Cup. Cristiano Ronaldo's early goal held up as the winner in Portugal's 1-0 victory over Morocco in Group B play Wednesday at the World Cup. Ronaldo's fourth-minute header gave him his World Cup-leading fourth goal after an opening match hat-trick. He also moved atop the European international scoring list with his 85th goal. In other Group B action, Spain defeated Iran 1-0 on Diego Costa's third World Cup goal. In Group A, Uruguay blanked Saudi Arabia 1-0. Morocco Saudi Arabia and Egypt were all eliminated with the day's results. I'm Gethin Coolbaugh. find this interesting, too. It's the eve of the NBA draft. Um, the commissioner of the NBA says super teams are here to stay. Commissioner Adam Silver says some basketball fans do get frustrated when teams like the Golden State Warriors stay in contention year after year by stockpiling all-stars. What if they get LeBron James? I mean, all... All possibilities are there with LeBron James. But uh, Silver tells ESPN the league won't step in to try to create a more level playing field. I, I don't think, as a league, we want to go about breaking up teams just to break them up, just to force some sort of parity that, that, that is kind of unnatural. Uh, see, that's funny. See, the NBA is all about a select number of players. So when they see the Golden State Warriors against the Cleveland Cavaliers for a fourth straight year in the final, they go, great! 
Steph Curry against LeBron James. That's all we want. If they had that final every single year, or if they had a final with their biggest stars, because they only identify maybe, I don't know, 8, 10. I don't know if it's any more than that. That's all they care about. Unlike the NFL, for example, who market teams. NHL, eh, their marketing could be a bit better too. But they are starting to market more of their league than just select players like Crosby and Ovechkin. Of course, they should be marketing Connor McDavid big time. Who, by the way, won the uh, Ted Lindsay Award for the most outstanding player in the National Hockey League, voted on by his peers. Still have to get to the Hart Trophy. So uh, stay tuned to 6.30, Chad, uh, for that update, because that's coming. For Kellen Kennedy, I'm Dave Campbell. Lots of draft talk and Eskimo talk tomorrow. Good night. 6.30, Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30, Chad.